You're listening to The Right to be Catholic with Sean A.R. Brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center. Welcome everybody to the Right to be Catholic podcast where we tackle everyday issues, issues that we as Catholics face in our modern world. So today our topic is going to be about confession. We're going, to, we're going to discuss the importance of confession, why you have to go to confession. We're going to do a proper step-by-step of how to go to confession. And then we're also going to tackle uh, the examination of conscience, a, a great way to properly prepare yourselves for confession. So as Catholics, we often go to the good book for answers on any issue or topic that we want to know about. This specific topic today we're going to be talking about is confession. So I think Jesus made it remarkably clear when he talked about it in uh, in John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23, where he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain sins of any, they are retained. And it's said again, similar to that, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 through 19. And there it says, And so I say to you, you, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So I think Jesus was very clear there when he talked to them, to his apostles, and said, this is what I want you guys to do. So as Catholics, we believe that Jesus was telling his disciples, you have the power to do this. I have the power, now I'm giving you guys the power. So in studio today, we have two guests. My first guest is Father Patrick Situ. Father, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So how long has it been since you've been a priest? Um, I was ordained in 2017, so I'm going on my third year of priesthood now. Nice. God bless. Thank you. It's been great. What church do you currently serve at today? I'm currently serving at Mother of God Cathedral in Southfield. Nice. Thank you very That's much. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. So our second guest is Subdeacon Videl Dinha. Vidal, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Subdeacon at Mother of God Church, may I add? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, right? Subdeacon, yeah. That's important. It's very important. So I've actually known Vidal all his life, right, Vidal? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, we are related. (laughs) We did kind of grow up together, right? Right, sort of. So Vidal and I, the reason why we are so close, um, we share a lot of, we have a lot lot of, we have many things in common. Excuse me. We have many things in common. Those things that are in common, we have a love for movies. We do movie lines all the time. We actually do have a handshake, Father. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. That's kind of weird. There we go. People I don't think, think so, but we love it. Can't hear that or see that. We have, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, our love for Jesus Christ. Our, we volunteer and we've had many retreats together. Mm-hmm. We've led Bibles, um, not studies, but we've led uh, youth groups. Youth groups, yeah, JCU. Yeah, we did JCU. Right? Good many time. things. Uh, we've also had. JCU too. You, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. We've also... Um, that was when you were just Patrick. I was just little Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> You're still little Patrick. You're just little I'm Father little. Patrick, right? I'm, pretty, I'm still pretty little. It's okay. 
Another thing that Videl and I have in common is our love for Batman. Yes, I am Batman. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I am Batman. <laughs> It's it's been a, it's been an ongoing theme, you know, throughout our childhood, and obviously it's carried on. We haven't let it go. Vidal, you're you're also involved in um, other church activities, such as the Man Up Retreat, correct? Yeah. So right now, um, I'm involved in in mostly retreat ministry, working on Man Up. So that's uh, a men's retreat. We do that once a year, um, and I'm also involved in the Kairos retreats, um, and we do that. Well, it's run multiple times a year. I'm involved in two of them each year. Nice. So let me ask you a question really quick. So being involved in church, this is, can be posed to both of you guys. You know, we'll be with friends or family, friends or family that maybe are not as involved in church as you are. And you might be doing something, you stumble, maybe drinking, or you say something and they'll say, oh, I thought you were involved in the church. <laughs> You know, why are you doing this? Has that ever happened to, to you my guys? life? Oh, yeah, that, that never happens, right? No, yeah. it, right. Every single time, yeah. uh, you know, someone gets an opportunity or whatever. Uh, so they'll say it. But it's like both of us have a cold, but I'm the one taking medicine, right? Right. So, it, you know, I, I have the same problems they have. The difference is I admit that I have these problems, right? It's and like, you go and you seek that medicine. Yes, absolutely. So that's the beauty of what we know. We know that God gave us that resource, and that resource is confession. Right. Amen. Right? Amen. And a lot of folks think, you know, you're, you're not an alcoholic until you attend a meeting. Well, that's not necessarily true, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just as an example. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure throughout our lives that we've had great confessions, we've had bad confessions, but the beauty is that we know that we can turn to God at any time uh-huh. for that. Absolutely. And, and really, that's been... So a funny theme in, in my life, recently, it was a few years back, um, I was in, invited to share an encounter with Jesus, right? Um, a buddy of mine was, was putting together some type of a program, and he said, listen, I just want you to explain one of your encounters with Jesus. And I'm thinking, you know, I have encounters all the time, but I don't have some great conversion story. So I kind of shied away from it. Um, later on, more recently I thought about it and I said I don't have a conversion story I have hundreds of conversion stories like every single time I've gone to confession it has led to some sort of a conversion um, I, I most notably uh, at least in my mind that it's been very impactful where I was struggling to forgive someone for something and it was literally you know like a demon just hanging on and we don't think about uh, we don't think about life in those terms usually. You usually hear demons and that stuff you, you see on TV or they only yeah. talk about it in church. The exorcist. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, so demon, basically, you know, these thoughts are keeping me up at night. Who's whispering that in my ear, right? Mm-hmm. And how was I able to overcome that? I actually went and I confessed it. Wow. What a difference. You brought it to the light. Yeah. And it went away. Yeah. It just, it's the craziest thing. See, there's something about the devil likes to keep um, our our sins and our evil thoughts and those things that really weigh us down. He wants to keep them in the dark, which means not to tell anybody. You know, if if you say this to somebody, they're going to judge you. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're bad. But as soon as you bring it out to the light and you say those words out loud and you you bring it to the Lord out loud like that, you're exposing you're exposing the light right on that darkness, and it and it disappears. They say, yeah, they say the devil will call you by your sin, but the Lord will call you by your name. Your name, exactly. By who you are. Right. Yeah. 
Vidal, thank you for sharing that story. You know, myself, I have also uh, an awesome confession conversion story. Uh, mine goes, when I was in high school, it was my junior year, and I was struggling with this sin. And it was really weighing me down, like all year, to the point where my grades dropped. I, I went through a brief stint of comp uh, depression, and I didn't know what to do. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, uh, when we were in high school, came up and said, hey, come on this retreat. And we went on this retreat, on this retreat, they offered confession. I said to myself, okay, you know, let me go in there. We confess this sin, let's see what happens. So have you guys ever had that feeling? Or have you ever carried something really heavy, it's on your shoulders? You're like, it's weighing me down. I just wanna get rid of this. That's how, I, that's how I was feeling with this sin. Now, when I went to confession. Well, can I just pause you right there? Yeah. So you say something heavy, and I, keep your train of thought. But you mentioned something heavy. Every time I go to confession, what I've realized is, even if I don't realize I'm carrying this burden, I walk out and I feel lighter. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Completely. You don't realize how heavy it was until you leave. Yeah. And you're like, wow. So it's crazy you say that, because that's the exact same thing. So this thing was weighing me down. Like when I said mentally, it also was doing it physically. So when I said my sin, and the priest prayed the words of absolution over me, and I was forgiven, I swear to you, not only did I feel the spiritual forgiveness, but yes. I felt it physically. Yeah. There's a now, physical manifestation. Right, you're like, oh, yeah. I feel yeah. great now. Yeah. And you it was a wonderful feeling. Right. And it just yeah. shows you how real it is. And I felt wonderful. And I left there and I was like, okay, I, I knew at that point that I was forgiven for that sin. And that's the beauty of confession. Right? And I'm not telling you like that happens every single time to me, but it did happen at that time. And There's I always an element of, of relief though. No matter what, whether you feel it physically or not, there's always an element of relief, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So we were talking earlier, you know, when we'll be around uh, friends or family that are maybe not as involved in church, or if the, even if they are, they yeah. often ask questions regarding confession, like either uh, why we have to, or questions surrounding confession, like, hey, what about this or what about that? Right. So Father, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few of these questions. Please, please. So oftentimes we uh, get the question, why do I have to go to a priest? Why can't I just go to God and confess my sin? Okay, very good question. And I, I do want to put this out there that it's important for us as Catholics to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. I mean, I had the same questions at one point. Uh, I thought about leaving the Catholic Church and going to Protestant churches because, you know, I thought that the church made that up. It was a rule, you know, it was a rule that the church made up and, and I don't want to follow man-made rules. And so, um, so obviously we know as Catholics, like you said earlier, everything is rooted in scripture and everything is rooted in tradition. Amen. The reason why is because if you look back, the, the Bible was put together, was assembled uh, in the year 300, right? So... Uh, for 300 years, what were Catholics doing? What were Christ, early Christians doing? Um, how were they interpreting scripture? How were they living that out on a daily basis? Well, before you can actually even use scripture to defend your point, right? They were already living this out. They were already doing this. They were already going to confession with a priest, right? So, um, so we know, like you read earlier in John 20, if you see Jesus says these words, he says, the sins that you forgive, they are forgiven, and the sins that you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. Well, how would the apostles know whether or not to forgive or not forgive unless somebody had confessed their sins to them? That's right? a good point. That's a good how point. How do you know? How would, I, how would the apostles know whether or not to, con, to, to give that absolution or not to give the absolution unless they were given 
the actual confession. You, you mean you don't know people's sins before they tell them to? Yeah, right. <laughs> I wish I was Padre Pio. We are not <laughs> very far from. Yeah. I was going to say, Padre Pio used to call people out in confession and say, yeah, you forgot that, com- uh, yeah. that sin. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, like 30 bad. years ago, do you remember when you did this, this, and this, yeah, and this? But, crazy. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's a spiritual gift that God had given him, but that's... Uh, you know, that's not the norm. So so it's very clear in Scripture that Christ, but then you've got, you know, then you've got anybody that can come out here and say, well, let me interpret it this way or that way. So I always want to go back when we're interpreting Scripture. I always want to go back to the fathers of the church, the early priests, the early bishops who were leading the Christian faithful, who were interpreting Scripture even before Scripture was assembled. So you've got St. Basil the Great or, um, I'm sorry, St. Athanasius of Alexandria in 295, okay, the year 295, saying this, just as a man is enlightened by the Holy Spirit when he is baptized by a priest, so he who confesses his sins with a repentant heart obtains their remission from the priest. Wow. From the what? From the priest. <laughs> so Priesthood. you see yeah. that I know, this I, is... I, I, I knew that. I just, I think it's very it, important. Right? Yeah. Yes, and so you see that there is this... Okay, it's in scripture, right? But then everybody has their own interpretation of scripture. You've got over 150,000 different denominations and each denomination in each church wants to interpret it their own way. So how do I know whether or not I should interpret it this way or that way? Well, you've got to go back to the earliest interpretations because those are going to be the most authentic because they were closest to the apostles themselves. So who am I going to trust? The apostles of the apostles who lived with the apostles? Or am I going to trust Pastor Bob in 1970 who came out with his own church, Christ the Lamb Church on 12 and, you know, Hoover? I don't know. You know, I'm just making this up. It was on 12 and DeQuinder. 12 and DeQuinder. Okay, I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, you you get what I'm saying. I do. Is Christ the Lamb Church actually a thing? I have no idea. I just made that up. He made it up. He passed by all the time. You know, go look it up. That's a great point. I even want to take it to like the human element of it. Please, yeah. So as humans, right, we're all about touch, feel, hear. We're so, tangible. Right. We, we need those type of things. So as a human, I need to hear the words, I am forgiven or you are forgiven. So when you're in your room and you're talking to God. Directly, exactly. Yeah. You say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. If you can hear his voice really say like, Yes, Fidel, you're forgiven for that. Yeah. Right? I don't know why I did it with my left hand, the sign of the cross like that, but <laughs> you're forgiven. Guess what? Miracle, Fidel. Continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. But if you don't, guess what? He said to you, I have something else for you. And that something else is going to a priest for confession. Right. Exactly. Because it's God who designed man, right? So he knows what we need. He knows 100%. that we need to hear that human element. He need, we need to hear that you are forgiven. I have certainty now. When I'm talking to God, just me and God, I don't know, like you're saying, I don't know if I've been forgiven or not. But as soon as I hear that priest say to me, you are absolved of your sins, I have that certainty. I can walk out and say, I know that my soul has been changed. It's been wiped clean. I've been, you know, I've been redeemed in the blood of the lamb and I, I can walk out of here a free man. There's something that's so incredible about that from, just from a psychological standpoint. So you it's said human standpoint. So you said it earlier. You said when I hear the words of the priest saying you're forgiven. So people yes. will say, "Who gave the power to the priest?" Well, Jesus did. Yes. Right. So I think it's pretty awesome that our Catholic priests have a direct line, a, a, a direct blessing, right, from Jesus Christ. 
Is he just allowed to just run around and just declare things because he's Jesus? Right. Of right. course he is, right? Yeah. He has the power, right? So Jesus laid his hands on his apostles and said, hey, whose sins you've forgiven are forgiven. Yeah. And then they did that to their apostles and so forth and so forth all the way who did yeah. you have, Bishop Rahim or Bishop, uh, Bishop Francis? Francis. Right? Bishop Francis. So yep. Bishop Francis, and then Bishop Francis laid his hands on you and gave you that power. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the priest does have that power. Yeah, and, and, and it's so incredible, like, you know, from the apostles themselves, they're, they're uh, ordaining priests, and then those priests ordain priests, and then those priests ordain priests, and then all the way down. So it's like... It, this is real. This is something that is an unbroken chain. This is uh, this is tangible. This is not something that the church made up. You know, right? And when you you read that, it was John twenty, right? John twenty. And in John twenty, you mentioned he breathed on them. There's only one other time, one other time that God breathes on man, and that was when he breathed the mm -hmm. breath of life into Adam, Adam, right? So he's making them a new man. He's giving them this power and this authority. And what what I what I want people to understand is that. This is not about, this is not a power trip for priests. You know, this is what people think. Oh, the priests just want to have this power and authority over us. And, you know, they're going to judge me. You know, I'm going to go in. And why don't, who is this priest that I have to go and tell my sins? Like, why does he have to have this power? I don't need to go to him. He doesn't have that power. God has that power. It becomes a prideful thing because we're embarrassed. We're shy on a human level. We're shy to come and tell another human being, whether I know that you're a priest or not, it doesn't matter if I know that you have this power authority or not. I don't want to come and tell another human being what I've done. And so that's where on a human level, we make up all of these excuses, right? And we justify in a million different ways so that we can avoid having to face that, that human aspect. But what we want people to understand, and I'm speaking as a priest, do not be afraid. I am not judging you. I did not go through eight years of let me tell you, it was not easy. Eight years of studying and prayer and difficulties and trials and tribulations and all of that to sit and judge you. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I am there because I want you to know how much God loves and forgives you. That's why I sit in there for two hours, three hours. During Easter, we're sitting in there sometimes for 10 hours. And, and, and it's gruesome and it's difficult. But we're there because we want to set you free. I, I was so I was one of those folks. Yeah. I would so I would go to confession, but I would make sure that I went to confession at a church that I don't a attend. A priest that didn't know you, know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did it all the time. Some random, you know. Hey, you have a collar. You look Asian. I'm not Asian. Okay, so let's, you know, Father Tim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, and that was a thing. I was very, I was worried. And I had access to confession all the time, serving in the church, you know, helping out, whatever. But you're worried about how they're going to think of you. Mm -hmm. And that was a problem that I had. So when it finally broke, and, and Abuna, I've confessed to you many times, many times, and we have a personal relationship, and it's never been weird. I've never been worried about it Not or anything all. like that. Not at all. But in my previous life, before this event happened, I would have been. So I was serving at Mother of God. I knew I needed to go to confession, and I went behind the wall, right mm. where they where they can't see you. Mm -hmm. I go and you, like muffled your voice, yeah. like hello. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the time, it was it was I that actually happens. Yeah. I confessed with, with Father Boji uh, at the time, and um, I go, I get my confession done. I actually even kind of altered my voice a little bit. I just bit. said that, yeah, like yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I was like in the zone there. 
Yeah, so I, I go, I alter my voice a little bit, and then I, you know, he goes, he absolves me. I'm, I'm relieved. I get up and I, you know, I say, thank you, Father. I stand up and he goes, uh, Videl, please tell the parish council. <laughs> He's going to kill me for that, for that, uh, that impression of him. But I love that, Father Boyd. Don't talk about my priest like that. Oh, He's the man. I, yeah, I, I just was so taken back by it. I was shocked and I, you know what? Never again. Now I only do face to face. Yeah. At that point, I realize he doesn't care about my sins he just cares that i'm forgiven yeah right it's like it's like for me it's like a child you know when your child comes to you and says you know mom my arm is hurting look at i i i have a bruise what's going on there's something so beautiful intimate about your spiritual children coming to you and saying father i got look at my wounds right there's something so intimate so beautiful that that actually instead of judging my heart is softened to see that guess what you're struggling. Maybe you have a spiritual cold, but you know what? I have uh, I have a spiritual uh, I don't know uh, uh, what is the uh, the throat the uh, bronchitis sure. bronchitis. I have a spiritual bronchitis. You have a cold. I have bronchitis. It doesn't matter what your sin might be because in the end, I'm fully aware of my own sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Right. As a priest, when I'm hearing you confess, a lot of the times, guess what? I've been there and I've done that. Right. So who am I, you know, to sit here and to judge you as you come to confess when I probably confessed that sin in the past before you too. You mean that collar so, doesn't make you sin proof? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of times people right. do believe that actually. Wow. Yeah. No, and you know what? Um, Father Ben Ludke, who is my spiritual director for many, many years and, and very close friend of mine, and he taught me well. And he said to me, before I even entered seminary, he said, if you are going to enter the seminary, remember these words. He said, a priest, this is the definition of a priest. It's not, you're not just standing in the place of Christ. Yes, great, good. But first, a priest is a sinner. A priest is a sinner chosen from among sinners to help sinners. Hmm. I've heard that. I love that. that. I want everybody to know that a priest is a sinner chosen from among sinners to help sinners. So I am a sinner just like you. When you are confessing to me, I am not thinking to myself, how could you have done this, right? I am a sinner myself. I need God's mercy. I go to confession sometimes once every two weeks, sometimes once a week, sometimes once a month. It just depends, right? But I'm going to confess confession just like you are. Right. You I know, need God's mercy. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I'm as, not perfect. I think as Catholics, we're sometimes spoiled with what all the gifts and graces that God's given us. You spoke about this earlier, Videl. You said, oh yeah, you know, we're involved in church so much that we, the priests are our friends. We go to them at all times. I remember when we um, first started Kairos and I was always at Father Frank's house. Well, back then he was Father Frank. Now he's Bishop Francis, but I was always in front of him and I'm like, hey, uh, I need a quick confession. It got so bad that he said to me, no. I don't want I don't want to give you any more confessions. And I was like, why not? You're a priest. That's you know you're supposed to do that. He said, no, I want you to work for it because it's too easy. It's at your disposal. So he'd make me go downtown to Father Solanas and go all the way over there just to get confession. Mm. I'm like, all right, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So so you, you don't get the, the quote unquote quick fix. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's oh, yeah. I was abusing it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you go and it was you know probably likely like in my case it would be same sin over and over again and it, you know, he would slap me right. sometimes. He'd be like, you just did that last week. I'm like, I know. (laughs) Yeah. So, Father, so I'm in Mass, Mm -hmm. and it's my turn to receive the Eucharist. And I want to get up, and I want to receive the Eucharist. But 
I know I have mortal sin. I know I have mortal sin. I've committed a mortal sin. And I know I have not confessed that sin yet. So I've heard it said both ways. Should I get up and receive the Eucharist? Or should I wait to go to confession and then receive the Eucharist? So um, I'm going to tell you what the church teaches. This is in the catechism. This is canon law. So what the church teaches is that you are to wait until you have confessed your sins. Even if you have the intention, some priest have uh have told people uh that you know you if you have the intention of going to confession and you're certain that you're going to go to confession within the next 24 hours you can receive the eucharist and then go uh to confession but the church teaches never to receive communion in the state of mortal sin because irregardless you are receiving in that moment doesn't matter about 24 hours later what you're going to do in that moment you are still inviting jesus into an unclean space, unclean. right? You are you are taking Jesus into a pile of dew, like dump. I'm sorry to say it that way, but that's what you're. That's what happens to our souls when we sin. Is that our sin? Our souls become, you know, a, a place of of uh, of uh, the state of of hell. Actually, so it's it's scary. It's scary to look at it that way. But that is what sin does. There is a, a consequence to our actions. Uh, we are not just hurting God. We're hurting ourselves. And we're hurting uh, our neighbor as well. And so <clears throat> when we're in that state, think about it like this. If you knew that Jesus was going to physically come to your house, right, and, and hang out with you and have dinner with you, you would probably make sure that you cleaned the heck out of your house and make sure that that house was perfectly spotless, right? 100%. It's the same thing for your soul. Okay. Good. Thank you very much for that. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about sin. Um, and we know that sin um, separates us from God's friendship. Right. True? Yes, yes. So some people don't know the difference between, well, sin is sin, but some people don't know the gravity of certain sins. Right. So like more serious sins are considered mortal sins versus lesser sins are considered venial sins. Right. Uh, so to give a quick definition of mortal Please. sin, right? Mortal sin is a grave action that is committed in full knowledge of its gravity with a full content of the sinner's will. So in order for mortal sin to occur, three things have to happen, right? The sinner has to know that this is a grave matter. Yep. The sinner has to have full knowledge of what I'm doing is a grave matter. Yeah. And then that's the same thing. Yeah. Right? And then free will. Free will. Yep. Correct? Yep. So if I like to give the example of going to church. So if I'm if I know that if I miss mass, mm -hmm. that it's a mortal sin and nothing is inhibiting me from going to mass, mm -hmm. right? And I still don't go to mass, mortal sin. Correct. But we live in Michigan, right? Uh -huh. I'm getting ready to go to mass. It's six feet of snow outside in like 20 minutes. Uh -huh. And something is stopping me from going to mass. It's out of my free will to go to mass. Correct? Exactly. Is exactly. that mortal sin? No, it's not. Um, you know, emergencies, weather, um, sicknesses, anything like that. Uh, of course, that's out of your free will. Correct. <clears throat> but um, just going back to what you were saying about grave matter. Yeah. Um, there is looking at the nature of an action. If I tell you uh, today, hey, you know, uh, Sean, I, I really like your sweater today, you know, or you ask me, hey, do you like my sweater? And I'm like, no, no, yeah, I like it. And thinking in my head, no, I really don't. That's different from a man cheating on his wife. Those are two totally different. The, the Venial nature. versus. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And yeah. so I want people to understand that you only have to technically confess. Go to confession for mortal 
sins. Right. Um, it's good to confess your venial sins because when you fess up to your and, and you repent of those, when you say those words and you you admit that you've done those things, it helps you not to go back. Right? There's something about saying it out loud that helps bring an awareness so that you don't do it again. Uh, so, because uh, th then it says in your mind and you can justify it and, and kind of bury it. But uh, but the sins that need to be confessed are only mortal sins. Right. And, and I and I understand that's that's the teaching and, and the technical component. And Absolutely. But you're advocating, right, mm -hmm. to go to confession for any sin, right? Any but, sin. Any it, sin. Like, even if you don't have uh, a mortal sin and uh, let's say it's been three months, I, th I say go to confession. This is what I say. Uh, once every month or once every two months if you're not if you're not struggling with a mortal sin nice. yeah yeah I, I remember going to uh, a priest once and I was asking okay is this a, a venial or he said don't ask that question mm -hmm. if you know it's wrong confess then it. you know it's a sin confess it and that's it don't mm -hmm. worry because the moment you start playing with semantics that's how Satan mm -hmm. exactly. Satan's gonna get you to justify exactly. things because mm -hmm. what what it all comes down to is I'm sorry for this mm -hmm. That's what confession is. Yeah, I'm when sorry in doubt, just say it. Big or small, I'm sorry for it. Okay. If I'm sorry, so this is like you said. What what confession turns into is this technicality of going and saying what I've done to the priest and this and that and oh, I have to stand in line. I have to do this and that. but if if my goal is to tell Jesus I'm sorry and to receive his, you're forgiven. It doesn't matter. Right. So going along with that same um, topic, mm -hmm. if I'm in. If I'm in confession mm -hmm. and I willingly hold back on telling the priest a sin mm -hmm. versus forgetting a sin, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Well, the not, these are not just my thoughts. These are the thoughts of the church. The teachings of the church would say that your confession is is invalid because... The forgetting the sin. The, oh, I'm forgetting... Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the, to withhold, withhold a sin. Purposely withholding. You're fully aware of a sin in your mind, but you're too afraid to say it. Uh, your your confession is invalid. The whole thing. The whole the whole wow. confession is invalid because mm -hmm. uh, you're being insincere. You're not actually really sorry for what you've done. You've your pride is in the way now. So is that really somebody who's sorry? Is that really a repentant heart? You're not contrite. You're not contrite. You're not repentant. You're not you know you, you're not taking responsibility for what you've done. You're trying to hide it uh, out of your pride. So. Uh, but if you've forgotten it and then you remember like two seconds later, even two seconds later after the priest has absolved you, you are forgiven because you didn't purposely with, withhold it. You just forgot it. And uh, it's implied that the Lord is going to forgive you. And, you're, and you should always have this implication that, Lord, forgive me for whatever sins that I can't remember at this time. They are forgiven. So you don't have to necessarily go... It's not a bad thing to go to confession after, though. Um, like, if you have the opportunity to confess a sin that you forgot, you know, and you remembered it after your last confession. Like, hey, remember me? I was here five seconds ago. No, it doesn't oh, even... No, okay. no, not like that. But, I mean, the next time you have the opportunity to go to confession, you can bring it up. Uh, but you don't have to because you have been forgiven it. Sometimes it just helps on a human level. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you cleared that up for us. Because yeah. I've, I've been asked that question many times. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what about this? So earlier I was telling you, I, I would go to the same priest over and over again. And yes. he'd say, didn't you just do this last week? I'm like, yeah. So if I know I'm going to repeat the same sin over and over again. Mm -hmm. People have said, what's the point of going to confession? Because <clears throat> I'm going to repeat the same sin. You know what I always tell them? Um, hey, do you take a shower every single day? Yeah. Because you know you're going to get dirty the next day, right? This exactly. Is, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. So you're... No, that's that's actually that's the uh, that's the analogy that I always use is you know if if 
if you know that you're going to get dirty after your shower, do you, do you avoid taking another shower because you know that you're going to get dirty? No, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, in some ways, you know, we, we know that our, our nature is weak, right? And yes, the goal after I go to confession, the goal is to eradicate sin and to never sin again. But is, does the Lord expect that out of me? No, because he knows that this journey towards him it's a journey. It's a process, right? He doesn't expect me to just, in one day, just eradicate all of my sins. So what the Lord is looking for is just to stay committed, not to leave him, not to give up. That's what the Lord wants. In the end, what Jesus told St. Faustina is, what hurts me most is when people give up on my mercy. Hmm. That's, what, that's what hurts me the most. Not even so much your sins. Your sins don't hurt me as much as, giving up on my mercy and saying, you know what, there's What's no the point, point going to confession. I'm, I'm just going to do it again. I don't want to do this anymore. That hurts Jesus most because what Jesus is looking for is to remain in that close communion with him. So all he wants, he doesn't care. All he wants you yeah. to do is to come back into his arms. That's what the, the Lord is looking for. I've heard it said that, uh, I've heard it said, I don't want to fool Jesus because he knows I'm going to do it again. I'm like, it doesn't matter. He still wants you. He still wants you to confess. And what we, and, and see, this question is, um, we're oftentimes, we're underestimating the power of confession. We don't realize that in that confession, not only am I being forgiven for my sins, but I'm giving, I'm being given special power by God, which is called grace to not go back to the sin, right? To not go back to the sin. So, so not only am I being forgiven, but I'm giving strength. I'm being given strength to not go back to the sin. So if I use that grace properly, maybe I might not completely eradicate the sin, but at least the sin might start losing its power, right? The sin will start losing its power. It starts getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And maybe in, in two years with that staying consistent, eventually you'll be able to be set free, right? 100% I agree but, with you. But, but the goal is ultimately to just say every single time you've fallen, do, is, is it okay in a marriage? Let's just say this way. Every time you do something wrong, is it okay to just continue ignoring it and not talk about it no, and, not, and not, not say I'm sorry or at least communicate about it? After a while, what happens? You start growing so much apart. You can't even look at each other. You start getting mad at each other for the stupid, stupidest little things, right? I agree. It's the same thing in a rela relationship. Every time you mess up, You've got to go up to that person and say, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how many times it happens. No, I'm with you. And acknowledging a fault. That's, that's what I, what exactly. I, but when you acknowledge a fault, so this is what I've found when I talk to folks. Whenever they challenge confession, well, I don't go, I just you know pray to God and mm -hmm. you know he, he forgives me. I know he forgives me. It's hard um, to admit to yourself that you did something wrong, let alone have to take action on it, mm -hmm. right? So folks are just terrified. They yes. are terrified of this sacrament more than anything else. Because in the world and in our humanity and society, it's not okay to be imperfect. So mm -hmm. we think when we go to the priest or when we go to God, we have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But it's the opposite. When we go to God, we're going to God as patients going to our doctor, mm -hmm. as children going to their father, Right. And that's ultimately so it's OK that we're imperfect. So that's why I'm not surprised by anybody since, because I know that I'm broken. You're broken. I'm sick. You're sick. We're all sick. We're all going to our, our father to, to seek that uh, that medicine. So there you know, that's why it's 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 so hard for us to admit that we've done something wrong, because there's this <clears throat> this idea. I have to be perfect. 
Right. I have to have it all together. Right. And we don't. Good. That's what's so beautiful about the church is a hospital for sinners. Mm -hmm. It's not a hotel for the for the privileged. Right. It's 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 not a it's not a place for the privileged. It's a place for sinners. And so when people say, "Why well, I'm not going to church. Look at the people that go to church or look at the people that are in the church. Right. Guess what? <laughs> we all need to be in church. 100%. We all need I, yeah. that medicine. I agree with you, Father. And I thank you for your insight <laughs> on all the things that we just talked about. So right now what I want to do is I want to do like a quick walkthrough, like yes. a proper step-by-step. -step for sure. How to do a proper confession. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who have not confessed in a while or have forgotten what they've learned when they took the Sacrament of Reconciliation, mm -hmm. you know, this is for all of us, right? So, step one, enter into the room, mm -hmm. close the door. Mm -hmm. You don't want anybody else to hear your sins, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> something you might want to start off with is, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Or forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's like an acknowledgement of, hey, why I'm here, what I'm here for. Right. I will chime in and say that uh, I have confessed in a parking lot. I have confessed on a golf course. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes. You know. Yeah, of course. That's all you possible. anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. But if you're in the confessional, this is the proper way. Um, you can, after stating, you know, what you're here, there for, you can say, it's been X amount of time since my last confession. And as you said earlier, I'm not here to judge you. So it could be, it's been three days, it's been three years, it's been 30 years since my last <laughs> confession. And it's important for the priest to know that so that he knows how he needs to help you. Mm. That's it. So to my That's next, it. yeah, to my next point, you might want to state your status in life. Father, I'm single. Father, I'm married, man. I have children. And again, just for the priest to know, is your sin affecting yourself mm. or are you affecting right. someone else as well with right. your sin? Mm. Yeah. Right? So at that point, once you've stated your, you know, and your you don't have life, to, you don't have to say what your status in life is. You don't okay. have to. If you're, if you're looking for more help, you know, it then just you helps can, the priest, it correct? It helps me. Yeah. It helps us. Yeah. So at that point, you want to state your sins, whatever they may be. <laughs> and you don't have to say like one, two, three. Right. If you choose to, whatever, yeah. whatever you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. The main thing you want to do is you want to be contrite. Yes. Right? You don't want to be all cool with the priest and say, like, you know, hey, Father, the other night, I was this girl, she was beautiful, and this night. You're not right. bragging to the priest. Right. That's not contrite. And, and, you and the other thing is, you saying. don't need to give me the detail. You don't, you, have to, you don't have to tell me the whole story as to why. Right. What don't happened, narrate the whole thing. That. Yeah. I, really, what, need, what, what I need to be saying is, um, Father, please forgive me for, or Jesus, please forgive me for, because you're really saying that to Jesus. I am just an instrument. I'm just a mediator in that in that place, right? Uh, so what you can just simply say is, Jesus, I'm uh, I want forgiveness for you know um, I gossiped about some people. Um, I'm holding some unforgiveness in my heart. Um, this, 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 and then you can just right. if you need to give the story or you need to give a little bit of explanation. Sometimes you really absolutely need to, depending on the situation. Uh, but the most important thing is to just say what you need forgiveness for, what you want to uh, be forgiven for. Great. So after the, after the, the sins have been um, set to the priest, mm -hmm. sort of like a code word, like, hey, I'm done giving you all my sins. And that's it. Father. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah. And that's it. For these and all my, my sins, sins. Forgive me. Forgive me. The sins that I, uh, I can remember, remember the sins the that I cannot, I cannot, uh, because, I cannot yeah. remember. Yeah. Exactly. So at that point, the priest will give you like a penance, like, Hey, this is what I want you to do. He might actually give you some spiritual advice, uh, which is really nice. And a lot of times people come to us and they come to confession seeking therapy. And that's not the right time to seek therapy. Please, mm -hmm. if you want to see us, you want to talk with us, please make an appointment. Uh, but we've got a line of 50, 60 people outside. 
and we only got an hour to hear all these confessions, right? And so it's important for us uh, to make an appointment with the priest if I need to talk. But the priest might give you some some advice to help you uh, fight your your sin or to you know just give you some encouragement, and then he'll give you a penance. And I just want to explain what a penance is. <clears throat> Excuse me. A penance is simply giving me, giving you a spiritual task that will help re help you regrow in your relationship with God. It's not it's not a punishment, right? Right. Or or you don't and and your your confession is not uh, your sins being forgiven is not dependent on whether you did your penance or I'm not. I'm glad you said that. No, so, yeah. The penance is just to help you. Like for example, when you fight with your wife, right? <clears throat> Naturally, you want to do something. Why'd you point at Vidal when you did that? Because uh, he knows that I fight with my wife. <laughs> Love you, Heather. <laughs> but, but naturally, you want to go and buy her flowers, or you naturally want to right. go and do something. Hey, babe, you know what? Let's just go out to dinner. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's that that human aspect to help you regrow in that relationship, reestablish that relationship, to re-enkindle that connection and that love. And how do you do that? But but by saying a prayer, acknowledging him, reading scripture, going to church, whatever the, the task might be, fasting, whatever it might be. It's not just about doing an Our Father and a Hail Mary or whatever. No, it's, it's very important to understand that. So then after you, the, the priest gives you your penance, mm -hmm. he'll ask you to pray the act of contrition and there there are many different versions of the act of contrition but as long yes. as you're contrite and exactly. asking for god's forgiveness and at that time the priest says the words of absolution father if you wouldn't mind giving us those words of absolution yes right i'm gonna say those words uh because oftentimes there's such a long line that we're not able to say the full entire prayer we're saying this prayer under our breath as you're saying your act of contrition mm. and and then we give the the absolution uh, you should always hear the priest say the words uh it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You at, you need to hear those words, or you know, under at least underneath His breath. So I'll say the prayer just so you know how beautiful this prayer is, and please pay attention to the words. It's God the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of His Son, has reconciled the world to Himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins, through the ministry of the Church. May God give you pardon and peace, and I absolve you from your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit forever. Amen. Amen. Such an incredible prayer. And uh, you hear the words, through the ministry of the church. It's the church that is giving us this forgiveness. It's Christ giving us this forgiveness. I agree 100%. So at that point, once you've given the words of absolution, mm -hmm. we're done, correct? Correct. Go on, and you've been forgiven, my yes. son. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, it, something I want to bring up, in our Mass... In the Eastern Rite Mass, at the end of it, we have a, a prayer. Was it modern Isha, right? Yeah. And in that in that prayer, we we sing it out. The word we actually say the words: "When you forgive, sin is removed." It's not like, "Oh yeah, it will come back maybe." No, it's removed. So when sin is removed, or when sin is forgiven, done. I, this is very very important. Every time we go to confession, every time we go to confession, it's as though we're going to confession for the first time for Jesus. Mm. For Jesus, he's not looking at you and saying, you just did this a week ago. Yes, he knows that you just did this a week ago, but he's not holding that against you. So every time I go to confession, it's as if I'm confessing for the very first time because God, when he forgives, he forgets, he wipes it, it's gone, right? Mm -hmm. wiped, clean. wiped clean. So so be assured that God's mercy is always greater than what you've done. It's always greater than your weakness. It's always greater than your fear, your anxieties. God's mercy is, it overcomes everything.
Right. So that's what I leave, I want to leave everybody with, and that's what confession is all about. Right. So lastly, I just want to touch briefly on the examination of conscience. So the beauty of the examination of conscience, it, it's for us as sinners to examine what our sins are, what are what's holding us down, so to better prepare us for a good confession. Right. So I know there are a lot of ways that we can go about this. There are printouts, there are websites we can go to yeah, Catholic absolutely. websites. There just, are Catholic apps. Just Google examination uh, of conscience, confession. Correct, yeah. There are many Catholic apps that Ladate. Ladate that we can go to is for that, that is the correct pronunciation. Okay. Yeah, Laudate. I was messing it up. Ladate. Laudate. Laudate. Yes. Right. It's a good app to go to. I learned a little uh, Latin. Anyway. I know none. <laughs> so of course, I want to thank both of you for taking the time out of your day to be in studio with us today to inspire others through our podcast. Um, so I want to close it with this. So every time we experience the sacrament of confession, God strengthens our will and our self-control to be able to resist temptations that confront us in our everyday lives. We become more resolute to follow God's will and not our own whims. And of course, the list of benefits for the sacrament of confession go on and on, but it's up to us to go and reap those benefits. Amen. So going to confession regularly will truly change our lives. Amen. And I want to pose everyone with this question. Think about this. What is it that's keeping you from reconciliation? Right? Very simple, yeah. So, again, I thank you both for joining us today. And for our guests out there, remember, live with confidence because you have the right to be Catholic. Till next time, God bless. You have been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. To learn more about ECRC and all of our programs, go to ecrc.us.